0: Hello and welcome to Transfusion's monthly podcast. I'm your host, Yara Park. In today's episode, we'll be speaking with Drs. Yessi Lukin and Masha Haas, both from Sanguine Blood Supply Foundation, who will be discussing their recent work, Reduction of Anti-Big K Mediated Hemolytic Disease of Newborns After the Introduction of a Matched Transfusion Policy. Welcome, Dr. Lukin and Dr. Dahas. Thank you for joining us. Dr. Lucan, would you please introduce yourself and tell us uh, what you do and where you work?
1: Yes, I work at the immunohematology department of Sanquin Diagnostic Services in Amsterdam. And I'm an MD with a specialization in transfusion medicine and currently doing a PhD track. Um, and busy studying the effect of measures to prevent alloimmunization immunization and to provide compatible blood for alloimmunized allo immunized patients.
0: Thank you. Dr. De Haas. could you please introduce yourself as well?
1: Yes, yeah, thank you for the invitation. And uh, well, I'm Moshe De Haas,
2: and I'm working at Sanguine Blood Supply. I hold an uh, MD, and I am a, a lecturer in immunohematology at Leiden University in the Netherlands.
0: Thank you both for joining us. Could you summarize our, your study for our listeners?
1: Uh, yes, we started the
0: uh, occurrence
1: uh, of anti-K uh, antibodies uh, in pregnant women over um, 20 years' time. And uh, in that time, K-match transfusion for all female transfusion recipients under 45 years of age um, was implemented in the Netherlands. And that measure was um, described in the transfusion guideline since 2004. So uh, we are now many years later and wanted to know what the occurrence of uh, anti-K-LO immunization would be um, right now. We have the advantage in the Netherlands that we have a centralized blood supply. And we also have a centralized testing in pregnancy because we have a national screening program. um, And part of that program is uh, antibody screening um, performed for all pregnant women in the first trimester of pregnancy. Uh, Antibody screening is performed for all pregnant women in the first trimester of pregnancy as part of this national screening program. And although we are a small country with 17 million inhabitants, uh, we now have a large database with antibody testing results of pregnant women.
0: So, how did you come up with the idea for this study?
1: We we noticed that that there there is
2: still a discussion in uh, in the literature uh, if it is necessary or what is the benefit of uh, preventive matching for k for women in their uh, childbearing ages because because of our work at the reference lab and we do see all the the problems of, of women that that have uh, become alloimmunized immunized because of an uh, K incompatible blood transfusion and then uh, are having their pregnancies and yeah so we see the benefit but we also um, yeah, understand that it is difficult to uh, to calculate what the benefit is, and because we have that opportunity to study a problem like this because of the uh, centralized testing that we are performing in the Netherlands, and because we introduced um, a guideline in 2004, we um, yeah we had the opportunity to uh, to tackle this problem and to perform this study.
0: So you said in 2004, the guidelines changed to include cal-matching. Was this hard to implement within the country? Did, was it hard to get buy-in from the other, from all the hospitals?
1: I think it was not very difficult because uh, the K-type of the blood project, of the uh, donor who donated the blood project, is um, on the label of the red cell concentrate for many years now. So it's not difficult to uh select the uh correct project, but of course it's something uh um that has to change in the hospitals and um many hospitals already implement implemented it years earlier um and that's also something we uh want to know when performing this study um so we did an uh, inquiry to um, the blood, commit, blood transfusion committees in the hospitals um, to, um, with the question when it was implemented in the different hospitals. And um, almost half of the hospitals implemented it uh, a few years earlier.
2: I agree with, with Jesse that it was not that difficult to implement uh, th- such a measure in the Netherlands and, and also because of the the logistics and the ICT uh, uh, information system that, that hospitals uh, normally have. But what surprises me always is that for the emergency situation, uh, the laboratories have their O and D NEC units available. And and I, I'm always wondering why they are not adding the uh, minus K for their immune emergency units. She observed that in, in her study that we still see immunizations because of emergency transfusions. So on the one hand, it, it is very easy to implement such a measure because the K type is labeled printed. But on the other hand, you, you do see that it is and not always used in emergency situations. So that, that really surprises me still.
0: That was actually one of my questions because I was gonna ask, but then in the discussion you mentioned that in emergencies, people do not give big K negative units like they would give D negative units, which is really surprising Especially if it's right there. Well, we, we are always asking that
2: question when we are uh, when we are doing an, an an educational course. We are always asking, what is the policy in your hospital? What kind of blood products are you selecting for emergency situations? Because they are pre-selected. Eh? They are selected and then they are stored separately. And it is not all the people are are answering then with oh we are selecting o oh, d negative k negative No,
1: because it is not in the guideline to select for emergency situations and when we ask it in uh, in education um then the answer is uh, no we don't do it but it's also uh, always um would be no problem to do it
0: yeah cuz it's easier to find a K negative unit than a D negative unit. That's really surprising that it's not done. I just assumed it was. So that's interesting. Do you think it will eventually become practice or a guideline that even that emergency units should be K negative as well?
2: But of course it it would be better to have it in, in the guidelines and uh, yeah, make it one of the routine policies in the transfusion laboratories. But in the end, I think it will be a routine practice uh, in the Netherlands. Yeah.
0: When a blood type is ordered on a patient, does the patient automatically get a cal-typing done at that same time? So they get an ABO, a D, and a cal-type?
1: Not for all patients, but if it is a woman uh, under 45 years of age, then it's performed when the blood typing is done, or at least when... Uh, um, a reservation for a blood products is um, is done.
0: If a mother has anti-BK, do you test baby and or father always?
1: Um, the father is is tested, and when the father is negative, uh, then it's not always necessary to um, do a uh, fetal Kell uh, typing. We have observed that uh, that uh, major
2: reduction in uh, anti-Big K complicated pregnancies, it um, becomes now more and more routine to perform the non-invasive Big K typing with cell-free DNA um, derived from the plasma of the pregnant uh, woman.
0: How much additional cost is incurred by providing K antigen matched units for women of childbearing potential?
1: So the additional cost for doing the big K-type, I think that's really low. Um, but I think the costs really depend on the, on the situation in your country when implementing such a measure.
0: So I think and I read in your article that starting in 2011, you were also matching for a little C and big E as well. Is that on everybody or again, women of childbearing potential?
1: That's again for women of childbearing pot- potential.
0: You mentioned there are three women with known big K-negative partners who got K-positive units in 2010, 2011, and 2013 after the K-matched policy change. Did these cases happen during emergencies?
1: Partly. Um, the, the most were uh, during an emergency, but there was also one transfusion um A few days after delivery, so that was probably not an emergency anymore.
2: Yeah, so still people are making mistakes. In uh, in in
0: that's also something
2: this study shows.
0: So I don't think we actually said out loud uh, what the decline in the prevalence of anti big K was pre and post um, intervention. Do you want to summarize the results?
1: Yeah, we saw a reduction from sixty eight per 100,000 pregnancies to 20 uh, per 100,000 pregnancies, Um, and that is a relative risk reduction of uh, 0.70.
0: So my final question is, this sounds like you have a lot of data because you have this national uh, blood supply, which is great. What are your next steps with this data or with the blood supply?
1: Uh, Another step you already mentioned, we want to have a look at the effect of uh, little C and big E matching for um, the same groups. Um, We already match for little C and big E for um, 10 years uh, now, at least that's what mentioned in the guideline. So maybe already earlier. And uh, we want to know if that uh, what the effect of that measure is and also if that is uh, cost-effective or not.
0: Are there other countries besides the Netherlands that provide K-matched blood?
1: I think uh, most uh, European countries do do that uh, at the moment. Um, some countries were a little, late, little bit later, but I think now it's implement, implemented in most European countries.
0: It's good to hear that it's most of Europe, so it sounds like it could easily be generalized to the United States and Canada as well. And that's our show. Thank you to Dr. Lukin and Dr. Haas for joining us for a great discussion. This has been Yara Park for Transfusion's monthly podcast. See you next time.